0: This week on the Tech on Tap podcast, we learn all about V-Mug from Brad Topkins. <laughs> well, welcome to the Tech on Tap podcast with Justin Parisi. I love NetApp. Oh, oh, oh yeah. NetApp, I, love this company. Zip off. Zip off.
1: I love NetApp because it's so fun. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Hello and welcome to the Tech on Tap podcast. My name is Justin Parisi. I'm here in the basement of my house and with me today I have a very special guest from VMUG. Brad Tompkins is here. So Brad, what do you do there at
2: VMUG? Justin, thanks for having me here. Uh, My name is Brad Tompkins and I'm the executive director of VMUG, which is the VMware user group. And our mission is for our members to get the most out of VMware and partner solutions, and we do this through educational events that we host all over the globe. We've got virtual events. We have local events, but I think the magic of VMUG is the community and the willingness of our members to help one another. So when you get plugged into a VMUG, you get plugged into uh, resources and other human beings that you can talk to and find out solutions and say, hey, how did you fix this? And help me do this, or I'm about to do this, or somebody might say, hey, I've just rolled this new feature out, and I want to talk about it. So I think the magic of VMUG is a community and my role as executive director is to, uh, you know, just make sure that we are providing um, environments where people can get together and talk about solutions and, and help each other out. And it's an honor to be part of such a unique group and be part of this vibrant community. And the community is bigger than, than just VMUG, it's the whole V community as a whole. And uh, so that's kind of the a long elevator pitch of what I do and what VMUG is about. Okay. And how do we reach you? So uh, a couple of different ways, probably the best is on Twitter and I am at Brad Tompkins underscore. I had to throw that underscore at the end cause I got to Twitter too late and couldn't get my name. But anyway, Brad Tompkins underscore my DMs are open. So you can always hit me up on that. You can also reach me at, uh, B Tompkins, T O M P K I N S at vmug.com.
0: All right. Excellent. Um, Also with us today, uh, Ken Jiras is here. So, Ken, what do you do? You're at NetApp, of course, and how do I reach you?
3: Thanks, Justin. I'm part of the solution architect team here at NetApp, and I focus in on all things VMware and how it works with our technologies and solutions for our customers, so helping them understand how we can help get the better things out of VMware, leveraging our technologies and solutions. And you can reach me on Twitter at drkino. And kenj at NetUp.com is email.
0: All right. And uh, Seth Forgosh is also here. So, Seth, what do you do here at NetUp and how do I reach you?
1: So, for the past uh, about 12 years or so, uh, I've been uh, a peer of of Ken's uh, covering all things virtualization. Um, You can reach me at LinkedIn uh, as well as uh, via email. Uh, For gosh at netapp.com.
0: All right. So, um, you know, this is all about VMUG and what it's all about. Uh, Brad, you know, you mentioned you have, you're the executive director there. How long have you been associated with VMUG and, you know, were you there since the start or have you just kind of come on afterwards?
2: So I was a VMUG member. Uh, gosh, let me, you're testing my memory here. I think it was around 2012 when I became a member, maybe 2011, sometimes in that frame. And uh, in 2015, Is when I took the job as executive director. That was July 1st, 2015. So I've been doing this just over seven years now.
0: Okay. When did the VMUG group start? Like when did that all begin?
2: Oh boy, that's a fun history here. So here's the way this works. So obviously VMware got started, you know, in '98, '99, and that technology, the x86 virtualization, you know, we all lived it, right? It was just taking the world by storm and naturally. These user groups started popping up and they were very independent, very siloed and you know we had one I was in South Carolina at the time and you know you would say we're going to talk about VMware and 100 people would show up or 150 people would show up. and you know back then, virtualization as far as x86 and really hitting the mainstream was so new and everybody was in a mode of hey, it's not are you going to do that? It's when are you going to do it and how are you going to make it work? And I remember the early days of eMugs, a lot of conversations were around, hey, I virtualized this box. The vendor that the software is running on doesn't support virtualization. How did you get it to work anyway? So we were down to the drivers and, you know, how did you get this to work and that to work? And the conversation would always move to, hey, if you call up the vendor for support, don't tell them it's virtualized because the first thing they're going to tell you to do is put it on a separate box and call me back. So anyway, we were going through those days, and those things just kind of naturally happened. So then you fast forward a little bit, and people realized, hey, I need some more support with this. So members, and I shouldn't call them members because that time VMUG as a global organization didn't didn't exist, but people started calling VMware and saying, hey, I need support. I need uh, a speaker here. Maybe I need a room there. Maybe you could send me some swag and all those kind of things. And Gene Williams, who is still at VMware and still very much a part of, uh, VMUG was one of the folks that was kind of helping out with that. And Teresa Stripe was another one. They were both at VMUG. I'm sorry, VMware. And as this started growing and they started getting more and more requests, it became like, you know, multiple people full time job here. So then the decision by VMware was, look, we need to let this thing become independent. Uh, early days, I won't say it was ran by v- by VMware, but VMware was obviously very much a part of it and you know supported it as best they could as far as with all the chapters, and chapters were continuing to grow. So then the idea was, that, hey, let's take this and let it kind of be independent and go do whatever it needs to do. And that was in 2010. And so in 2010 is when... VMware, um, excuse me, VMUG started in the state that it's in now. And that is that we're an independent organization. We're, we're a nonprofit. We're a 501C. So that's when that started. Now, you got to be careful and not tell people that that's when VMUG started because they will be quick to correct you. Uh, uh, places like the Netherlands, they've been going obviously way before 2010. Kansas City is another one that's been going for a long time. Indy, Boston. I mean, there's plenty of them out there that have... have had events much earlier than 2010. We've got leaders that have been leaders since earlier than 2010, uh, but 2010 is when it became the global independent organization. And from 2010 to now, it really just has you know continued to take off. We've got over 150,000 members across the globe. Uh, membership is free. So if you're listening to this and wanna check us out, you can go to vmug.com slash join. And our membership is free. Our membership is for individuals. And again, it's about how can we foster an environment where people can learn about VMware and partner solutions. Uh, obviously, VMware is a great software company, but it takes great hardware like NetApp to make all this stuff work. And that's that's kind of a little bit of the history. Uh, where we're at now, I mentioned we got over 150,000 members across the globe. We have over 200 chapters across the globe. We have over 400 volunteer leaders. and. VMware, um, excuse me, VMUG gets a lot of work done from our volunteer leaders. And without those folks across the globe, literally, you know, those are the ones that really help make VMUG what VMUG is. So a lot of credit goes to the volunteer leaders that, um, you know, range from somebody that might be in a local chapter that's just helping plan a local meeting, all the way up to our board of directors. Uh, The way VMUG is governed, we have a board of directors of 11 uh, voting board members, 10 of those are volunteer customers. Uh, one of them is a VMware representative, and that's Eric Nielsen. And the other 10 are volunteer leaders that uh, have you know, their day jobs, and they work at, at medical companies and insurance companies and finance companies and universities and those kind of things. But it's the responsibility of the board to set the direction for VMUG and then me and my team to execute that strategy. And we do that uh, in you know with the help of vmware and so it's kind of a um a three-legged stool there that keeps vmug going So that's a that's a brief history and where we are today with vmug
0: yeah, it's kind of a chicken and egg thing right like did, did vmware start vmug or did vmug help vmware and i think really they, they kind of live off each other at this point um and, and it's also interesting because you know with all the acquisitions that have taken place over the years with vmware first with emc And now with Broadcom, um, you've, you've kind of seen the complexion of VMUG change a bit. So can you talk me through how those acquisitions have impacted VMUG?
2: Sure. I think it goes back to really, you know, with the EMC acquisition, you know, you think early on VMware was about server virtualization and it was maybe simpler times back then from a, from a VMUG perspective, because you knew what you were going to talk about and you knew what people wanted to know and then as vmware uh, through acquisition and, and through getting acquired their portfolio has expanded tremendously and of course you've got storage virtualization network virtualization their whole euc products they acquire a company um, like airwatch and that brings a whole another different level of things you've got recently carbon black and cloud health and all that kind of stuff so they are now in a position where They've got a solutions really across the board. So what that has meant from a VMUG perspective, and we, again, our mission is for our members to get the most out of VMware and partner solutions. So from a partner perspective, it's really challenging sometimes to look at that partner landscape and say, okay, well, you know, who's a partner today that might not be a partner tomorrow or in the case of some of the hyperscalers, who was the competitor yesterday that now is a partner? So that's kind of the fun part to be candid. I think VMware does a good job of welcoming uh everybody and saying, look, we realize that there are other competing products out there. And I remember Pat Gelsinger saying this. It's like, and this was when he was uh, being asked about VMC on AWS. And his comment was like, Look, some people might go to AWS, but we're confident enough in our products that we're gonna have enough business to, you know, make our shareholders happy and and you know keep the lights on, et cetera, et cetera. So, and I'm paraphrasing Pat there. But I think that's what makes it fun is everybody's environment is, can, and should be a little bit different. And that's why it's nice to be able to get together and say, well, you know, how did you do this? And what can we do to learn from you? And it's not a one size fits all. And as soon as in IT you think it's, hey, I've got my solution and we're gonna be VMware software and NetApp hardware and you know, whatever for networking an acquisition and your company comes along and that just rocks a whole boat. It's like, okay, well, we're back into multi-vendors here. So let's figure out how to make everything work.
0: Yeah. And you know, you mentioned AWS and the cloud. And it it's interesting because, you know, VMware didn't just sit back and say, oh, well, we're just going to let this happen and, you know, we'll be fine. No, they they've adopted that mentality. Now there's VMware you can do in the cloud. There's VM as a service. And NetApp offers some of those opportunities. So Ken and Seth, can you talk a little bit about not just what NetApp offers but also your experience with Vmug.
1: Yeah, sure. Um you know, I have been fortunate enough to uh to have been invited to to speak at a number of Vmug events uh throughout the Northeast um uh, and and you know, to to the V VM, the Vmug credit, right? They're open and uh and and willing and and eager to talk about different solutions. Um you know the the last one I did was actually the first business trip I've done since COVID. Uh, went up to uh, Vermont and and did a discussion, and uh, you know it was very different. Than the questions were very different than uh, what had had been asked in the in the pre COVID days. Uh, lots of discussion about Kubernetes and containers, and uh, where do VMs fit into that that environment? Um, and, and the really interesting thing is that VMware has, has kind of gone with the, the change, right? Uh, you, you, you've got VMware providing containers as a trusted platform, and NetApp is part of that, that infrastructure. Um, not every VM is going to go away. Uh, we still have mainframes because refactoring is just difficult and introduces risk and and that's where where VMware in the public cloud really makes a whole lot of sense for a lot of customers is that they can they can now shift things to the cloud and uh and refactor those applications where the the applications that are going to get refactored they can refactor on their own time um and again NetApp and VMware working closely together uh provides a capability to to Manage your data on prem the same way your VM data on on prem the same way that you're going to manage it in the public cloud. Uh, really excited for what's coming down the line there.
3: Yeah, and I've, and I've had a similar experience as Seth. Had the privilege of being able to present to um VMUG chapters around the United States. uh Looking forward to getting back to that now that we're you know, back to doing some traveling after you know COVID, the COVID shutdown. But I even attend the virtual events. I use it for my own education. I'm a member of, have been a member of VMA even before I was in the solution architect team here for the past seven years. Um, when I started here at NetApp over 18 years ago, uh, VMware was getting its foothold and, 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 and getting traction into that's the, you know, the shift from physical servers and infrastructure to virtualized infrastructure was was key, shared storage plays a big part of that, which we've been helping a lot of our customers for that piece here at NetApp. But it's also that education piece. And and to Brad's point about leveraging other users' experiences with what they're doing and just learning from that uh, experience, even if you're not, uh, even if it's not applicable to what you're doing today, it very well could be down the road. And, and you can remember those stories and the nice thing with Vmug in the communities, you can reach out to, uh the members through the member boards and the community sections to post those questions or repost questions in chat and, and get that information as well and not just leverage your local teams but you can make that broader so that's been the nice thing of the vmug experience is it's really the um the reach you can get to um and usually it, it just helping each other in that respect and that's also been kind of a philosophy i've always seen here at NetApp is we also are in that same, we want to help type of mentality that, that fits very well when we interact with uh, the VMUG chapters. So it's been uh, ex- been very interesting and, and rewarding to see how that is both educational, but also just helping get a better use of the experience of, of the technology and, and how we're trying to solve our business solutions and meet our business needs to use the technology in that man- in that manner.
0: Yes, I think that's a pretty underrated piece of VMUG, right? So, I mean, it, there's always the part for the, the customers and the end users. But for the vendors and partners, you know, y- you spend a lot of your time trying to find people that actually care about what you're trying to tell them. At a VMUG, that's why they're there. They're there to hear what you have to say. So, it's a captive audience. They, they're yeah. open to what you want to say, and you're not having to convince them of anything. They want to hear it.
3: Almost definitely.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And and they want to have a conversation. Uh, uh the the best part about Vmug and presenting to to Vmug uh, chapters is it's it's not a sales presentation. It's a discussion with really knowledgeable people all trying to solve
2: problems and having a discussion about how can we solve those challenges. You mentioned the the Kubernetes and containers and all and that's something that you know, we kind of joke, if you put Kubernetes into a, a session title, people are going to flock to it. And I know that a lot of our members in their business environment might not be using Kubernetes yet or even containers yet. But it's something they're interested in because at the heart of it, we're all technologists, we're all geeks. So we like to know what's going on. So uh, that's why I think it it it's nice when other, regardless of the vendor, when they come in, people want to hear, like y'all said, they want to hear about the technology because you know again that's just the stuff that that interests us and it's um it's nice to see people continuing wanting to continually learn even though may, they might not at that moment be able to apply it to what they're doing at work they know that they will be pretty soon or maybe they go find another job where they're doing it because they really enjoy the technology or those kind of things and you know i appreciate what y'all said about coming to the vmugs and the one point i want to make is again vmug membership is free but it's for End users, of course, it's for partners and for VMware employees. So, regardless of where you are in the ecosystem, you know we want you to be part of VMUG because you know that's everybody's part of the V community and everybody's welcome.
3: Yeah, yeah, Brett. Uh, and I, it, with Kubernetes, oftentimes we hear folks talking about, or you know, it, it automatically seems to relate to the cloud. That's where a lot of folks, to me at least, what I've observed with the interaction with the customers and and uh, recently, they think that's more just cloud-based, and they're trying to struggle with maybe where that applies on-premises. And we know now with you know things like Tanzu that can now bring that and blend that on-premises in the cloud. And messaging we've been talking about lately is re- with uh, our our customers around the ability really that it's an extension of the cloud with what we can do with VMware from on-premises to the cloud now. And to Justin's point earlier about, you know, the VMware services that can be available at the public cloud providers now give that flexibility to where it's not all just about having to shift everything to Kubernetes. And while, and Seth made that point as well around the ability to blend that and manage it within the VMware platform and take advantage of the cloud as it makes sense for that business. And I think you even had that valid point around, uh, you know, every customers environments is different but we provide them with the tool set to be able to take advantage of the newer technologies they develop and through those education seminars and webinars and even the live events where we can help uh help others learn what they can do with the cloud or learn with the newer technologies and newer releases and how that could help benefit them uh, down the road when they may need to use it then
0: so let's table the Kubernetes stuff for now. We'll come back to it. I want to get back to the the VMUG piece. So you know, we kind of hinted at the fact that partners and vendors can go there and and basically hawk their wares, and people are cool with it. I would imagine, Brad, that there are some ground rules to that, though. You don't want just people going there and just turning into a sales pitch, right? So, what are some of the ground rules you try to set and the expectations for the VMUG for people attending? Because if it's just going to turn into that, people aren't going to come, right?
2: Yeah, so we do have some ground rules. And I, I think the first one is, look, you have to have a solution that can work in a VMware environment. And, uh, you know, that's pretty simple to do because most anything can work in a VMware environment. Uh, that being said, if there's a lot of folks out there that, you know, it's the coopetition, it's the frenemies and those kind of things. And, you know, I, I think the, the one of the obvious and maybe best examples is Microsoft. Obviously, VMware and Microsoft have got a great relationship and there's a lot of things that they do together that's fantastic. And so if you want to talk about Azure and and Horizon, fair game. If you want to talk about, you know, Azure VMware solution, obviously that's fair game. We wouldn't want to have Microsoft come and talk about Hyper-V at a VMUG. And I will say that 99.9% of the vendors get it. They understand it. They, um, A lot of them are are fans of VMware anyway. So they probably like, yeah, I wouldn't want to talk about that anyhow. I'm a a VMware guy too. So that's something that that's kind of one of the main ground rules. Um, But, you know, you mentioned content and content is key. And over the past three or four years, the board has really been challenging me and the team saying, how can we elevate our content? Because we do surveys and, you know, we do hear from time to time that, oh, this was just a sales pitch. And we tell our vendors, don't don't do sales pitches. Don't even bring your sales folks. Bring your engineers. You know, just do an open demo. Um, Try to have as little slides as you can. Uh, Go ahead and dive into it. Like that is going to resonate with our audience more than, you know, some fancy salesperson out there just talking about vaporware and these nice slides that do fantastic animation. I would rather have an an engineer that maybe isn't that comfortable in front of a a crowd to do this, but hey, let's just get through it together. Go ahead and try that live demo. You know what? If the if the internet at the local venue doesn't work great, hey, we've all been there. It's not that big a deal. But we want technical content. We want to learn, and we we don't want to be sold your product. Are um, better said, we we want to understand the product, and then we'll decide if it's worth contacting you. Saying, "All right, Seth, that was a great presentation." Let's get together. I'll tell you about the rest of my environment. Or Ken, hey, I really you know enjoy this particular feature. I might need that. Let's go a little bit deeper. Uh, And a lot of it is about building your uh, brand at you know at Vmugs, and that's why I tell our vendors, look, bring your most technical people, bring that VCDX, bring that VCap person to talk about their credentials, talk about why they you should listen to them. Less about your company um, and. Depending on the on the presentation, maybe even less about your product, because what will happen is, you know, I'll, somebody might be sitting back at the office and say, "Gosh, I remember that awesome session about storage, and I'm having a storage issue, and I remember it was Seth. I don't remember where he worked for, but that's okay because Seth impressed me. Seth, I know Seth knows what he's talking about, and I know he gets a VMware environment, so I'm going to reach out to him, and then that way you can bring in you know, the rest of the team or whoever you need to, to talk about the full solution that is going to help that individual. So I think the the key here is content is something that we spend a lot of time vetting and validating. Uh, We're not hundred percent at it every now and again, some of the sales slides come in, but we try our best to eliminate those. And we've got a team on the VMUG side that that's their job. How do we make sure the call for content process is getting the best content. How do we then get the volu- many volunteers that vet this content and look at it and rate it and grade it? But even gets to a user con or to an event, you know, how can we make sure that this process is easy for them? Because a lot of that works is is done by volunteers, because we want our leaders and our members to tell us what's good because they're living this every day. You know, who better to say what's good content than the people that are going to be attending the event? So. Based off the board's direction, a lot of changes have happened in the past two or three years about how can we elevate our content because our members are asking for it. Uh, also, our members need it. I mean, this is an ever-changing world. And I've said this many times to many audiences, but that you know, V admin job that served you well the past decade, if you just stick to V admin, that's not going to serve you as well in the next decade. You have to build on your V admin skills. And that could be containers, it could be storage, it could be networking, whatever. But you've got to add to it. You can't just expect that, hey, I'm a server virtualization person, and that's going to be my career path for the next 10, 15 years. I, I would not make that bet. I would add to my skill set.
0: So let's let's circle back to the Kubernetes and containers thing, because I think that that is something we need to expand on a bit. Because it is becoming more prevalent, um, and it is kind of a direct threat or <laughs> a competition, or whatever you want to call it to virtualization, because the idea here is that, you know, virtualization was a little too, you know, it had too much overhead. Certain applications didn't need all that overhead, so they've started to containerize. Where does VMUG stand with containers? How does it treat them? And, you know, do you bring people in to talk about them? do you bring people in to talk about Kubernetes? Because I know VMware has things like Tanzu, and NetApp has things as well. So where do you stand on that? How do you handle that?
2: So Kubernetes and containers has been in all of our programs for, gosh, it feels like even pre-COVID. Um, so it's been involved in it for a while. We want that kind of content. We know that's a big topic. Um, I don't know. I mean, I don't know that I agree that it's, it's. I don't think it's going to be so much competition with, um, you know, VMs and those kind of things, but it's, it's how can we live together? You know, VMs aren't going to go away, um, but I do, you know, obviously there's going to be some scenarios where, you know, containers and Kubernetes might be a better fit than a VM, and that's okay. You still have to manage it. And that's why telling our members and our members are asking for, hey, how can we get more content to understand how to manage Kubernetes? And you mentioned Tanzu, and that's something that is able to do that, obviously, in the familiarity of the vSphere uh, environment. So that's kind of a an, an easier way to get there. But a lot of our content now is still just around the fundamentals. Uh, You know, it's containers 101. It's why do I need this? What is it about? And we've had those sessions for a while and they're still um, very um, well attended. And I think that's just because, you know, this is a message that yes, you know, a handful of people or we on the call might have heard and know about Kubernetes for a long time, but there's still a lot of people out there that still just haven't gotten their head around it. And so again, we've got some 101 and and um, 102 type content out there but we are seeing members also wanting to go deeper okay how can we do more with this uh, with the tanzu community, community edition that was introduced i think last year at vmworld you know how can we get some um, hands-on labs around that so people can learn it by doing a lot of our members like to learn by doing we've got a program called vmug advantage it's a paid subscription model but one to. One of the business, uh, one of the biggest things that you get out of that is all, uh, not all, most of the VMware software bits you can download for your home lab. This is not for production, but it's for home lab. And one of the software that's in there is, is vSphere with Tanzu. So now people can get familiar with it in their home lab where people learn by breaking things and then you know fixing it and those kind of things. Not recommended for production. So uh, you do it in your home lab, and you're able to learn these things. So Kubernetes is a big part of vMug. Uh, we're, we're always looking for that content. And we're kind of approaching it two different ways if we think about our members. And this is going to kind of oversimplify it, but I think it'll be a good, good analogy here. So we have that member that grew up on vSphere, and it's like, hey, I, I love VMware. I grew up on vSphere, and I know everything about it, and it's wonderful. And those people are asking us, and maybe few of them were kind of more telling than they're asking, but I would say the majority are asking, I realize I need to build on this. How can I build on this? What do I need to do next? So we've got paths for them to add skill sets. But we're also looking at how do we attract that more, I'll say, DevOps native type person, the person that's looking at VMware and like, okay, I know they do infrastructure, but I'm not interested in infrastructure, but I am interested in Maybe infrastructure or code, or maybe some of the things that, that they're doing with Salt or maybe Harbor. All these open source type programs that they have out there, we want to be able to attract that person too and have them look at VMUG as okay. VMware has got some street cred in the open source and the cloud native area. That's what I want to learn, not necessarily you know vSphere. Like these folks would probably never touch vSphere, never want to touch vSphere, and that's okay. And I think it goes to um, show how much VMware has expanded to where there is a community out there that we are trying to attract that is not even interested in vSphere. I mean, that says a lot of how far VMware has gone. Now, attracting those folks is, is a challenge, and that's something that we are working on. And how do we make sure once we get them to vMug, they find content and like them that they can sit down and have conversations, whether it's virtually or in person, and say, "Here's the problem I'm having trying to get this, you know, um, app to production," and have those kind of conversations and less conversations about, you know, how do you configure, uh, you know, vSphere the best way. So that's kind of where vMug is heading, and that's one of the reasons why Kubernetes and containers is a big part of what we're doing. I think approaching those two different audiences is going to take Two different messages. The content might be the same. The delivery could be different. But that's um, that's where we're heading, and that's what we're looking forward to doing. So you'll start to see VMUG at uh, other events. Obviously, uh, AWS ReInvent is a huge one. Uh, we're we're looking to see what we can do down there when that comes up at the end of the year, and you know some of these other open source events. So it's exciting time for VMUG as we look at new members that we can acquire to be part of this community and. Help everybody out along the journey.
0: So, Seth, you know, coming from a NetApp perspective, what are your thoughts on that whole, you know, VMs versus containers? Is it, is it kind of echo what Brad's saying, or do you see something a little differently from your end?
1: No, I, I actually, I actually agree with with what Brad's saying. Um, you know, it, it was really interesting ha- having the the conversation at, at the Vermont VMug. Um, it, it felt very much. Like the early days of VMware, um, a lot of a lot of interest, some confusion, uh, lots of questions about how does this all work, right? Uh, I, I remember, you know, a dozen years back, me asking asking uh, my mentors some silly questions and, and asking questions of VMUG members, hey, how how exactly does it work to take one Physical server and make it look like lots, um, and and it feels a lot like that in that space. Um, and the other thing that that I want to kind of circle back to is Brad. You mentioned, you know, maybe you don't hang your hat on the next twenty years as as a VM admin. Uh, it's exactly the same conversation I have day in and day out with uh, with storage admins, right? For 30 years, we've those folks have cared very deeply and, and built their their business and their their careers around provisioning storage. And today with, with Kubernetes and VMware, automation is king. Uh, so paths, new paths to to build on your knowledge uh, through automation, through up-leveling. Uh, your your uh, work is is really the key, and and uh, and that's where I think a lot of the excitement is from from folks who who have spent time in in virtualization.
2: And I think one thing we can do to help out our members, your customers, and the V community as a whole is: how do we help that V admin, storage admin, network admin to to realize? Hey, we need to all get together because for this to work like it's supposed to, and for us to be able to take advantage of, you know, whatever hyperscaler you're going to be in, or whether you're going to be on-prem or just all of it, you've got to adopt that cloud operating model. We got to break down those silos. And those are conversations that our members are asking for. Like, yes, I'm ready to move forward, but maybe my networking folks aren't. And they're, you know, huddling the wagon saying, No, don't take my switches away. And that's an understandable response, but you you kind of have to see bigger picture because IT is definitely shifting into, it needs to for companies going to survive, in my opinion, how can we be a business differentiator? And so that is going to be less on, you know, the the blocking and tackling of getting storage network and, and compute to work together. Automation, you mentioned that. I mean, that's key. So all that stuff needs to be automated. So now IT can sit at the table with the business unit and say, let me tell you how I can make that website faster to get more orders. Let me tell you how I can get an app, help you get an app to the market quicker so then you can you know, garner more likes or whatever it is that you're trying to do. I and mean, that's where we all need to be thinking big picture from an IT perspective. IT can't just be we keep the blinking lights running. We've got to be in there with the businesses saying, let me tell you how I can help make things better and then deliver on that promise. And I think the, the cloud operating model is the way to do that. And then your company can figure out, is that on-prem, is that hyperscale, or is that VCPP? Like I personally don't know, don't care. You know your company, but you have to start thinking of it that way. And there's gonna be opportunity for everybody. But one of, the, one of the barriers is the silos that we have to break down. You know, as people process technology and the people in the process is the hardest part
1: absolutely and 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 it's interesting that you would brought up devops and, and reaching out to devops folks um because i i think the natural inclination when you you mention devops is to think containers and and cloud um but devops is really just a process right it's it's about removing friction between those silos and and speeding up the delivery of of solutions uh, honestly something that that you know, VMware practitioners probably should have been been embracing for years, right? Bringing those groups together so that a VM administrator can self-provision a data store without, but being able to do so safely, uh, so that they don't overrun the storage environment, right? Or being able to provision a network infrastructure dynamically without flooding the, uh, the network with uh, with garbage packets, right that, that same mentality that that natively thinks in terms of containers really does apply to virtualization just as well. And bringing those practitioners in to talk about the process I think is a great way to uh, to help help the VMUG members uh, you know up level their their
2: discussions. And there's an opportunity for them to be the champion in their department to kind of own that process. And that's that a that's a big step. That might be a scary step for a lot of people. But <laughs> imagine if you say, hey, you know what, uh, boss, I want to, to, to champion this to get us to a cloud operating model. And this is going to maybe take 12 months, maybe 18 months. But we have to start having these conversations because, and this is where you have to know your business, maybe even know the finances look, I know that we're going to, we're reaching competition from, you know, XYZ or I've looked at the financials. If you're a public company and say, you know, I'm seeing downtrends, whatever it is to say, have some kind of sense of urgency, or maybe it's a, Hey, we're on top. We want to stay there. So now's the time for us to do this. And look, you don't have to go get your PhD and understand everything about the balance sheet of your company. But I think just showing that you, you know, maybe pulled the 10 K and looked at what your company's doing or, or ask some questions about it. If you're not public, It shows that you're seeing big picture and that you're going to be viewed now as, oh, wow, this isn't just IT person in the corner bringing the blinky lights on. They're trying to make a difference for the business. And I think that will, you know, that'll turn some heads and maybe get you some support to do what you need to do.
1: Yeah, you become a true business partner. That's right. That's
2: exactly right.
0: All right. So let's play a little game here. Um, So let's let's role play and let's have our, our NetApp guys talk to Brad, who is our VMUG user right or our attendee let's talk about netapp like tell, t- try to convince our vmug attendee that netapp has solutions for vmware that they didn't know about
3: so brad i'm i'm sure you know through interaction we've you've heard about netapp technologies over the past and i'm sure you're aware of the fact that you know shared storage is very crucial to the uh, success of a vmware experience these days But more importantly, what we are seeing is the ability to uh, have not just the VMs, but extend on, on premises, but also how well can I leverage the cloud to extend my data center to take advantage of the dynamics that the cloud can provide. And where NetApp has been uh, leveraging our customers' uh, solutions today is to allow them, enable them with the power to be able to take full advantage of the cloud as an extension of the data center to be able to not just take care of their VM workloads, but also work with the newer workloads that are coming online, either through refactoring processes you might be going through today, or... To leverage the ability to just you know run vms natively in the cloud i'm kind of curious from that perspective where are you at with your cloud journey and leveraging the cloud and your technology today and how do you see your vm environment fitting within that type of a technology going forward
2: so my environment is currently we're all on premises and we yeah. have got some end of life coming up with some equipment so we're interested in how can we utilize the cloud for storage, compute, networking. Um, we're not in a situation where we would want to dump everything in the cloud, uh, but we're kind of want to have that option to tap into it when needed. Maybe a m M&A and is coming down the road I don't know about and I need to be prepared for it. I don't know, maybe another pandemic is coming and I need to revert, you know, 5,000 people to work from home all of a sudden and, and spin up a ton of VDI. So we want to have those options. So what kind of what kind of options can NetApp give us if we want to be mostly, I don't even want to say mostly on-prem, but have that option to do on-prem and in the cloud? And what, you know, what relationships do you have with the cloud providers out there?
3: Yeah, and, and that's, that's where we've been moving our direction or where we've been working with over the last um, number of years now is recognizing that customers like yourself are working in that direction. Um, being able to leverage the cloud. We do have relationships with Azure. We have relationships with, um, with AWS and also with Google. Uh, so you can actually take full advantage of the offerings in each one of those service providers uh, work with um, and leverage getting your data there. But now more importantly, be able to get your VMs there as an option to be able to um, run those natively and not have to and take advantage of, say, uh, you know, Mm-hmm. The Azure VMware solution to be able to leverage NetApp technology to make it more uh, performant and allow you to consume less of the resources you may need to make it more cost-effective to be able to extend to the cloud uh, easier and extend your vCenter, uh, your vSphere data center to the cloud as you see fit. And that's always been our mantra is, is really allowing you to leverage the technology that makes sense for your business and those relationships that we've been building on and taking advantage of really doesn't give you that option to lay a foundation today with what you're doing with on-premises, but also to uh, extend the cloud and take advantage as you need to, as you start to see either through, as you mentioned, mergers, acquisitions, or uh, just you can't get enough compute to, to you know build out what you need to do for your new workloads in the data center. So why not take advantage of elasticity of the cloud to leverage that? So it's a it's a forward thinking uh, thought that we can certainly have a conversation to help you understand where we're at today, where our journey is, and how we can help you with your journey in that in that direction as well. So, so Brad,
0: how do you do?
2: Pretty good, I know. I was, I was actually going to ask some more questions here. I like playing, <laughs> you know, my little. Uh, virtual uh hypothetical cio role here that's kind of fun there you go
0: so you know and and i guess the the exercise there was not so much to show how good or bad ken is but more of (laughs) what type of conversation you might expect from a vmug
2: yeah i i agree and i and i think that you know first of all it is interesting how you know and we're seeing this across the industry but just like vmware you know they they tried to go one route when it went to cloud. Now they're like, hey, let's just embrace all the hyperscalers. And I, I think NetApp is is doing something similar. I mean, you mentioned you have relationships with Azure, AWS, GCP. I mean, those are the big three by far. A um, little little tidbit of information here. We recently did a survey, and, and there'll be a blog about this coming out soon, um, about um, a bunch of different things. But the, the little tidbit is... The three biggest, from VMware perspective, or VMA perspective, the three biggest hyperscalers are Azure, AWS, and Google. And what's interesting is Google is the one that made the biggest jump year over year. So it's really starting to level out. And um, anyway, my point is Google's making some jumps there, but it's nice that y'all already have that relationship. And I think, you know, those big three are are the big three for a reason. So good job for y'all on that.
0: Yeah, it's interesting because um, for a while there, it felt like AWS had an insurmountable lead, right? But it's almost like the Falcons, Patriots, Super Bowl, like the twenty-eight to three, right? <laughs> <laughs> so like Google and, and Azure are catching up, right? So they've they've u- they've upped their game a bit, and you know now this kind of level out, and that's good for everyone because that brings competition, and competition brings innovation, and you know yes. people aren't feeling like they're they're stuck in one situation.
2: And I also think you got to look at what those hyperscalers bring. Like you mentioned workloads that now you can, you know, move up to the cloud through NetApp if you want to. You know, maybe there's a workload you're like, hey, I want to get the GCP because of some feature that they have that I want to take advantage of. And maybe a different workload you want to send to AWS or or Azure or whatever the case is, or maybe it's going to Azure because that's where your AD is and you know you need to have some integration there. I, I think it's I love the fact that. And I give credit to companies like NetApp and VMware, are like, look, it's not just pick one and go with it. Like, have all three, have one of the three, have two of the three, have none of the three. And this can change, maybe not week over week, because you know there are some things that have to happen in the back end. But it can change as your needs change. Uh, maybe it even changes as the cost of compute or storage changes. So it's nice to have that flexibility and the unlimited options. Now that does could potentially bring complication. So that's where it's nice to have partners like a NetApp that can say, hey, let us help you manage all of this, all these different options. And you can do it in a way that is familiar to you. Um, but again, I'm a big fan of options. Everybody should have as many options as they can. And in business, is no different. Yeah. And, and, you know, NetApp
1: has has really focused on the, the multi-hybrid uh, model, right? Where where we give customers the flexibility to move the heaviest asset, the data, between those, you know, those three plus a few other smaller ones, as well as uh, the on-prem cloud, because really everything is cloud now. Um, it, the the other question, interestingly, that, that Ken didn't bring up that I would have have potentially brought up is, you know, have you have you talked to to the business about the consumption model? Is that changing? Because all of those solutions that, that Ken talked about in, in the public cloud, as well as on-prem, uh, we have choice in how do you consume it? Do you do a traditional uh, capital expense purchase, or are you moving to a consumption model? And and that gives customers all kinds
2: of flexibility as to, to how they run their business. Yeah. And in the you know, the consumption model is, to me, is kind of key in two different ways. Obviously, there's a financial shift there, CapEx, OpEx, those kind of things. And, you know, probably somebody in the finance department is going to have their preference on that. And you're right. Now we have the ability to deliver it whichever way you want to. But the other piece is, you know, is it subscription or is it as a service? And there's a difference there. Um, subscription, obviously, is just buying it differently, but you're you're still maintaining it the same. But as a service, I mean, I encourage people to look at that. You think about what's going on with vSphere Plus and vSAN Plus. Now you can offload, hey, I don't want to manage my vCenter upgrades anymore. That's not a business differentiator. Let's let somebody else do that. Oh, VMware's offering? Well, that makes sense. I mean, how many people still manage an Exchange server, right? I would rather let Microsoft manage that for me. And we all moved to Microsoft 365. You know, same type concept. So then you're thinking, all right, that time that I just freed up because I'm not managing vCenter anymore, what can I do? And that's where you can fill the void with either learning technologies like Kubernetes and containers, but also I would encourage you, learn the business, start thinking about how you can get your department to um, operate more like a cloud. Again, it's it's that people in process that you could spend a ton of time on if you have freed up time to make things better, and that will pay dividends. Over decades, not just in the near future. Yeah, couldn't agree more. All
0: right, so we have learned a lot about VMUG and NetApp here. Um, I'd like for Ken and Seth to give me one thing they learned about VMUG today that they did not know previously. So, Ken, you start first.
3: I I, I think it's the fact that it's still being run as a nonprofit company um, and and really on self sufficiency from that perspective. Um, I often always thought that you know VMware. Uh, continue to have the funding of, of v So that was something I had learned today that I really hadn't been aware of before is the uh, independency that Vmug is maintaining through that nonprofit status.
0: And Seth. Um, it,
1: the the history of VMUG um, I, I wasn't aware of, of, of how how VMug got its starts uh, and, and where it where it grew from um, I just always knew it as as Vmug, uh, so that was really fascinating to me, and and just how how it continues to grow and and thrive uh, is is really encouraging.
0: And Brad, I'll turn it around on you. So, what's one thing that you didn't mention that you wish people knew about Vmug?
2: Well, I touched on it a little bit, but I'll go back to Vmug Advantage um, just a little bit more into that. So that is a $200 a year subscription. It sits on top of your free membership. You can use the code ADV22 and get 10% off. Um, So ADV22 for that. You can DM me if you forget it. But it gives you a lot of different things to all talk about. One is the software bits that I mentioned. Download this stuff, get it in your home lab, get some hands-on experience. You you can do this with a couple of Raspberry Pis. You can do this with an old laptop you might have. Some of our members have got Home labs that can run half the businesses in the in North America. I feel like, um, so that's a great way to learn. The second thing is discount on training and certification. If you want to get training in VMware, go get Advantage first. Again, for 180 bucks with that discount code, you could save literally a thousand bucks on an ICM course. So those are the two biggest things that I, I uh, wanted to mention. But Advantage is a great program for us, and we have um, a lot of folks that contribute. To that, And they also say that it contributes to them getting, you know, their certification that leads to another job or a job promotion or those kind of things. It's really great being part of an organization that when people get promoted or they get a new job or they have something great that they will tweet. I've got this slide with all these tweets of people saying, man, I wish I'd have gotten involved in VMUG earlier. Uh, One of the more famous ones uh, was... um, Oh, his name will come to me in a minute. But anyway, he was coming off the stage of VMworld. And he said, you know, um, Alan Rennell, he said, you know, just think, I got started speaking at a VMUG and I just walked off the stage at VMworld with Pat Gelsinger. And I'm paraphrasing that tweet too. Get involved. Get involved in a VMUG, stretch your skills. And that could be those soft skills. Um, VMUG is a great place to do that. Presenting at a local meeting, even opening up a local meeting, maybe being on the leadership team lots of opportunities for you to stretch yourself outside of just the technology. And you're going to need those skills. If you are planning to be the champion in your company to say, Hey, I'm going to lead the charge and we're going to start working in a DevOps model or a cloud operating model, those kind of things. You're going to need more than just technical skills. And Vmug is here to help you out with that. So that's, those are the few things that I thought of.
0: Yeah. And if you, if you work at a, company and you want to do this sort of thing, I'm sure you can talk to your boss into expensing this as an educational thing, right? This is a way to get better that helps you and then it helps your company as well because you're becoming more of a skilled asset.
2: Absolutely. And, you know, this is one of the things if a company has a training budget, just say, hey, I need $200 of the training budget to go do this.
0: Most companies will be like $200. Is that it?
2: (laughs) Right. A lot of times they're just put it on your credit card and we'll expense it or put it on, you know, my credit card and we'll expense it. Those kind of things. It's really, it's a low barrier, uh, um, you know, of entry there. That's by design because we are a nonprofit and yes, we need funds to operate and those kind of things. But, you know, our mission is what drives us. And we feel like that program really helps people um, upskill. And that's why we want to continue it and keep it as low price as possible.
0: All right. All right. So um, we're just about out of time. So Brad, uh, again, if we wanted to reach you or find VMUG, how do we do that?
2: The website is VMUG.com, V-M-U-G.com. And the best way to get me is on Twitter. And that's at Brad Tompkins underscore B-R-A-D-T-O-M-P-K-I-N-S underscore. There's no H in Tompkins. And follow me on there. If you just want to reach out, you can DM me. My DMs are open. All right. And Ken?
3: You can reach me at Twitter is uh, Dr. Kino, Dr. Uh, Kino. And that's probably the easiest way to reach me. Um, and uh, also, I'm also on LinkedIn. So you can reach me at, at there as well.
0: All right. And Seth.
3: All right. You can
1: reach me at email, uh, foregosh at netapp.com or LinkedIn. Uh, I'm Seth Forgosh, no underscore, uh, over at LinkedIn. All right. Excellent. Or,
0: so- or you can reach
1: me on the VMUG page oh, yeah, the Vmug page
0: or at a Vmug itself.
1: Exactly. And Brad, thanks for the reminder. I've got to go uh renew my uh Vmug advantage now. Oh, there you go. What?
0: All right, excellent. Well, thanks everyone for joining us today and talking to us all about Vmug. Uh we'll include links to the blog that you mentioned as well as the Vmug and all the social media handles in that in our blog. So, uh thanks again.
2: Thanks for having me.
0: Alright, that music tells me it's time to go If you'd like to get in touch with us, send us an email To podcast at netapp.com Or send us a tweet at netapp As always, if you'd like to subscribe Find us on iTunes, Spotify Google Play, iHeartRadio, SoundCloud Stitcher, or via techcontactpodcast.com. If you'd like the show today Leave us a review On behalf of the entire Tech on Tap podcast team I'd like to thank Brad Tompkins of Vmug As well as Seth Torgosh and Jirus Of NetApp for joining us today As always Thanks for
1: listening. Oh, yeah.
2: Is it just me that's getting off on this?
1: Oh, Yeah.